Sirius XM Radio presents, in conjunction with House of Athlete, I Am Athlete Tonight. This is I Am Athlete Tonight. I am your host, Omar Kelly, and I am joined today by my two teammates, former 2006 NBA champion Antoine Walker and former WNBA great and trick shot goddess, Dr. Chantel Trimeter. Uh, we have got a stacked show for you tonight. We we, we, we don't, you, you just won't believe what the point God, as he likes to refer to himself, when I'm referring to the point God, I'm talking about John Morant said about the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. We'll discuss that later on the show. Is Lamar Jackson throwing a little bit of shade at the Ravens about his new Twitter profile and what he wants? Uh, and Damian Lillard basically said, if it ain't Portland, I don't want it. But first, we've got reports that DeAndre Ayton and the Suns are working on a deal that is close to finalizing a trade that will send him to the Pacers. Uh, according to ESPN's M and NBA insider Brian Windhorse, the Phoenix Suns and the Indiana Pacers are very close to a sign-in trade for center DeAndre Aiden. As everybody knows, Aiden will not get a max deal from the Suns and has been looking to get out of that organization. Windhorse states the Pacers trading Malcolm Brogdon to the Boston Celtics freed up enough financial room for the Pacers to give Aiton a near max deal. Aiton was the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. He's averaged 17.2 points and 10.2 rebounds per game in his four seasons with the Suns. Phoenix can offer Aiton as much as 177 million over five years, while other teams can only give him a max contract of 131.2. 1 million over four years. Now, the question that I've got for my two colleagues who are both basketball experts and insiders, so you, you definitely want to hear what they have to say, is what are your thoughts on DeAndre Aiden and how he fits into the Pacers? Well, well I think it's more for me when I look at this, um, I'm actually kind of um, shocked that the Phoenix Suns um, do not want to get a deal done with him, being that the success that they've had over the last couple of years. It's the team that had the best record in the league last year, um, won 64 games. He averaged a double-double. He's been an intricate part of what they've been able to accomplish over the last couple of years. So I'm really anxious to see why he does not want to be there. I've been rumors that him and Monty Williams does not get along really well. But the fact that they, they want to move him um, is surprising because when you look at the Indiana Pacers roster, they don't have a lot to offer on the roster. When you look at Miles Turner, um, it's pretty much their only big left on the roster, making $18 million this year. Um, pick and pop guy, guy that can block some shots. I don't think he's a traditional center. I think he's more of a power forward. So that's the only guy, unless you're doing this for some picks, but I don't think you can let a guy like DeAndre Aiden walk out the door and not get some of the value back in return. So I'm assuming that they're going to want um, a couple picks back or at least a first-round pickback with maybe a Miles Turner. Um, but for Indiana, you, you, I mean, they're in the rebuilding process, and I guess you want to start in the middle. I guess, you know, usually teams don't don't start with the center and work their way around, but I guess the Pacers um, want to start and, and start building around um, Aiden in their, in their rebuild process. They only won 25 games last year. The Eastern Conference is only getting better. 
So I think, you know, obviously that Malcolm Brockton go, um, Sabonis go early in the season, uh, Karis LeVert, those guys go. You're not trying to compete probably for a couple of years. So I don't see the urgency of giving a guy, a max guy, giving a, a center a, a max contract if you guys are going to take you a couple of years to rebuild. Now, let me ask you, Auntie Chantel, is DeAndre Aiden that much of an upgrade over Miles Turner? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, like like Antoine said, both players have similar skill sets, right? But Aiden has been far more productive over his career compared to Turner. But like he said, I, I think that the bigger issue, obviously, he's a great center. He would help Indiana. That's no question. But the biggest question, uh, like Antoine said, is like, what is Phoenix doing? Um, you know, if if anything, even yeah. if you you can't let him walk for any for nothing. Right. But I mean, he he's the guy who you're going to have to put in the trade for one of the guys you're going to have to put in the trade if you really, really want Kevin Durant. Um, and so, you know, you, I, I think you, you know, when he, when he gets this offer, obviously he's a restricted free agent, so Phoenix can match it. But, but I think ultimately they, they sign him and then they trade him. Yeah. Now this is a situation that, that impacts everybody. Um, but are the Suns, in your opinion, Antoine and Auntie Chantel, are the Suns making a mistake by not keeping, keeping Aiden and figuring out a way to make it work or, or are the egos, of that situation just bruised to the point where it's unrepairable. I think they make a mistake. I, I mean, obviously, I don't know the inner workers of the relationships that Aiden has with Monty Williams and and that that transaction. But my thing is, if I look at how Phoenix Suns lost last year in the playoffs, it wasn't because of Aiden and his production. Obviously, it was more the fact that Chris Paul didn't play up to, to, to up to his level. Devin Booker was not very good um, in the playoffs as well. So he was not the reason why they was not able to, to win. Obviously, you know, a lot of teams play small. Aiden was a big man that could step out. He was still, he, he wasn't a stiff. He can guard on the perimeter at times. He, he protected the basket. So I don't know where you're trying to go from here. Um, JaVale McGee signed um, with the Dallas Mavericks. So you lost your bag up big. Still got a Bismarck on, on the roster, but he's a bag up center. So I'm not sure where you're going from here unless you decide that you want to play without a true center and go with a more power forward slash center type. And that's a guy in Miles Turner. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It'll be interesting to see where the Phoenix Suns go. Because right now, it's kind of – if you look at the, the Western Conference, you got the Clippers, you got the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, and then the Suns. So you got five top teams with the Denver Nuggets lurking. They're getting healthy too. They they're lurking right there too. So you got five or six teams that's in the mix now. So I don't know if sixty four wins is going to be durable in the Eastern in the, in the Western Conference. So hold on, hold on, Antoine. You just said something that really piqued my interest. I think you, you uh, it sounded like you're putting the Grizzlies up there or a little bit ahead of the Phoenix Suns. Oh no question. I mean, if John Morant doesn't miss three games, we we probably be saying the, the Grizzlies in the Western Conference. Um, finals, and then this is a team that won went twenty one and five, I think without without John Morant. Why wouldn't I think they will come back next year, just as good as as hungry as, as young as they are, come back ready to go again? So I think they, of course, I put them in the mix. Aiden's a big piece. When you take seventeen to ten off your team, that's a big piece to what you got, what you're doing. Definitely, Auntie Chantel, do you, do you see Phoenix without 
DeAndre Aiden as a contender anymore? No, not at all. Um, I mean, well, they're going to be a contender anyways because Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker are there, and, and that's going to help. But, you know, I think that DeAndre Aiden will be a better player in the East than Miles Turner will be in the West. Okay. Uh, you know, he can he can move. He's athletic. And, you know, like he said, like Antoine said, it wasn't DeAndre Aiden the reason that, that Phoenix went fishing early, right? Mm-hmm. You're the number one seed in the – you're the number one seed in the NBA. I mean, you got to play better than than all of them did. But it wasn't DeAndre Ayton's fault. But I think you bring in a, a a kid like Miles Turner who can play. But you know, I just think that they don't they digress if if uh, or regress if they bring him in. It's, it's that it'll simple. Be, it's, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I, right. That that organization is run by. Um, Play, played for University of Miami, um, James Jones. James Jones, yeah. Yep. So, so I, I, I've covered him throughout his career, and he's a smart executive, and and I've seen him, I've seen him do great things. So I'm curious to see how he can piece that whole thing together. Uh, James Wiseman, the NBA Summer League in Las Vegas is in full swing, and. Talk, talk all weekend were about the pair of James, of course, LeBron James, and then we get a second James. But this James is James Wiseman, the long-awaited return to action. And it wasn't disappointing. The former number two overall pick in the 2020 draft, he suffered a ruptured his right meniscus in April of 2021. And that sidelined him for the remainder of the season and all of last season where he missed uh, the Golden State Warriors championship run in 2021 and 2022. Wiseman had a huge alley-oop dunk for the Warriors opening possession of an 86-85 victory against the Spurs in Summer League, it has to be said. But he finished Summer League play with a debut of 11 points on five of seven shooting, two rebounds and two block shots in 19 minutes. What's James Wiseman's ceiling with the Warriors, Auntie Chantel? Oh, my gosh. It makes the Warriors, for me, it makes them so much more dangerous, right? You know, the the best thing about Wiseman, yeah, he had a great summer league game the other night. But, you know, his war, the Warriors uh, owner, Joe Lake of like loves this kid and he's publicly come out and said like this kid has had a lot of bad luck but give him a whole season and he's going to be a solid player for us I mean you know he's he's a great player and and I think he just compliments you know what yeah my god like Golden State's already dangerous, right? Yeah, With that guy, who, what's the guy's name who shoots three pointers? That uh, uh, number thirty, hurt. I forget I his name. Remember. Is it, is it yeah. Curry or something like that? Yeah, I think I think he has a brother named Seth or something. Yeah, something uh, like that. Well, you know, and I just think you know, adding a big guy, a, a healthy big guy in James Wiseman is going to make them so much more dangerous in the West. What you think, Antoine? No, I, I, obviously it gives them something that they need. Um, I, the first thing that brings to mind is the shot blocking ability that he'll be able to give them. Right. Um, I was impressed in the, in the summer league to actually see him. You know, he made a three-point shot off the dribble, and he hit a nice 15-footer. And we already, already know Golden State's a, a very good shooting team. But he gives them a different dynamic at the five spot. When you think about Kevin Looney, who they just signed back, a three-year deal, they just brought him back for three years. And Kevin Looney is young, too. He's 26, but he's a different type of center. He's more below the basket. He's not really a shot block. He's more of a rebounder. 
So Wiseman gives them a double threat at the center spot, which I think, you know, obviously makes Golden State even more dangerous. So um, his upside is great. We all know the, the troubles he had in Memphis. He wasn't able to play. And then obviously the injury. So we haven't seen enough of him. But the the, the small sample size we did see um, looks like his future could be bright. As a, a shot blocking center. I, I don't know if he's a – you know, 15 and, and, and 15 guy, or was he, can he get to 20 points a game? But I did like some of his offensive moves last night and, and making a couple jump shots. But that gives them more depth. That gives, the you know, a team that's going to be favored to win it again a lot more depth. With, with a healthy Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody and DaVincio and Poole coming off the bench for Golden State, are they clearly the most complete team in the league, Antoine? Um. They're not on paper right now, but it's a, there's some other teams that are complete. I think the Boston Celtics are complete. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are a complete team. And Kawhi Leonard coming back, um, with, look at on uh, the Clippers roster. So they're one of four or five teams I think are complete. A um, couple teams already have their identity, and Golden State is one of those teams that already have their identity already. So um, that, but that puts them definitely in, in favorite conversations to win it again and to be right back in the mix. Now, right. they look good on paper, uh, yeah. but the Brooklyn Nets look like the best team on paper last year. So mm-hmm. we're we going to see. It's going to be an interesting year. It's, it's, I, I can't mean, wait for them to You're talking about the, cont- the champions, though, Auntie Chantel. Like, right? Brooklyn never put it all together. That's what I'm saying. And and so you never know next year. You you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how, even if Wiseman comes back, you don't know if he stays healthy. You don't know how he changes the dynamic of that team. Uh, you know, Looney didn't really impress me, uh, especially during the, the the playoffs. But, you know, like I said, the kid out there, number 30, and as long as you got him and 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 a, a little bit of help from his boys, uh, they're going to they're gonna be all right. They're going to be all right. I can't wait to watch him. What, what, here's, here's the important question, and I think the question that the rest of the NBA is looking at, because obviously, especially if the Suns move DeAndre to, to, to Pacers, then Phoenix wouldn't necessarily be a good landing spot for Kevin Durant. But if you're looking at Kevin Durant, and obviously there's a flirtation with the Warriors again, uh, would giving up some of that depth make sense for the Warriors to acquire Kevin Durant? Or, or do you think that they should stay pat and 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 keep it keep developing these young players? Listen, man, anytime you got a chance um, to acquire a guy like Kevin Durant, it's a no-brainer. Right. And when I look at where the, where the age of, you know, Durant's 33, Steph is 34. Steph is not there to rebuild. Steph is, to ch- is there to him and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. They're chasing titles. They're trying to complete this thing, you know, next couple years with title, chasing titles. So if you can add a Kevin Durant, uh, I'm not saying give up the whole refrigerator for him, but if you if you can you have to give up a couple of them young pieces to acquire Kevin Durant, you have to do it. I mean, we're talking arguably, I don't know where you guys have Kevin Durant ranked at, but this is a top three player in the league. I don't know how you want to put the numbers at, but if you got a chance to acquire a guy like that who's healthy and is at the top of his, of his game, you have to do it. And if, if that relationship is not tarnished and there's nothing crazy going on, it's not going to affect anybody in the locker room and Except the chemistry. Well, I, I think they probably figured that out already. I mean, one thing that we know about Draymond, he ain't going to pass up this opportunity. He was he was very active in going to get him the first time. I don't think he want to pass up this opportunity um, to get him again. And, and Draymond needs him. There's one guy whose offensive game has diminished um, on the offensive end has been Draymond. So you get a KD back, now he can focus in on rebounding, setting screens, 
making good passes. That takes a lot of pressure off Draymond to have to score the basketball too. If you can right. get a guy like KD back. So I'm just I'm just one of those guys. I, I mean, if I got a chance to get Kevin Durant, I ain't I'm not thinking about the future right now. I'm a, I'm gonna unload a couple of those young guys and we're gonna see if we can run this thing out for a couple years. Contestant. And that might be why they're pumping up James Wiseman in the in the summer league. You know, make him look good, put him in a in a uh trade with him, Kaminga, mm -hmm. Moses Moody, and, and throw in Jordan Poole. And uh and then you got yourself a Kevin Durant. Uh, that, that's if a, they that's can a run great it back. Point, that's a great point, Auntie. I didn't think about that because they have been reluctant to play him and they played him last night. So maybe they're trying to showcase him and show, hey, look, this guy's healthy, and now you can put him in the trades. Yeah, that's that's a great point. It sounds might be the best package that the the, the Nets have to offer, but I'm I'm not a, I don't feel like they're even interested or willing to move Kevin Durant. But then again, players have a lot of leverage in the NBA, and I think Durant is one of those guys who can wield that leverage. Coming up next, John Morant had social media in a frenzy with what he had to say about Michael Jordan, but. Was he wrong? We'll discuss that next on I Am Athlete Tonight here on Mad Dog Sports Radio. You never know who'll step inside the green room with Danny Green. Jamal Crawford's in here. You are always hell to deal with. I mean, people always talk about the Kobe's and, you know, the Iversons and guys I matched up with. And you bring so much to the game. Keep going, bro. Go as long as you can. You know, being on this side of it. I love this part in the transition, but absolutely, there's nothing like when the popcorn's popping and you're performing on stage <laughs> and hitting that big shot. Listen and subscribe to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green, wherever you get your podcast. We're going to start with probably one of the stories that created a tremendous bit of buzz during this slow and dead period where the NFL is off and we got summer league basketball and, you know, we got baseball going on, but really, you know, we got baseball going on. Um, John Morant had some very interesting comments to say about the GOAT, the heir, Michael Jordan, uh, one of the most exciting and confident players in today's NBA is unquestionably Memphis Grizzlies star John Morant. But Morant doesn't just have game. He's got swagger and he's got confidence. Well, speaking to Taylor Rooks of Bleacher Report, Josh said something that went a little bit too far when discussing his airness, Michael Jordan. Uh, and take a listen to this. You wish he would have played in his generation. Yeah. Why? I heard he was like, like just how he, you know, go about the game, you know, just that mindset he had. Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to, you know, play against him. So. Yeah. You know, yeah, this time you're not saying, I would have cooked him. I would have cooked him too. <laughs> <laughs> you would have cooked Michael Jordan? Man, I. <laughs> Nobody got more confidence than 12. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what you're supposed to say. I get it. As you should. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to go and say nobody going to beat me in one-on-one -on -one or anything. Yeah. I don't care what it is, what sport it is, soccer. Who the best player in soccer? Come on, we can play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that just seemed like a little bit of crazy talk to me. But I, I want to definitely get my teammates the NBA and WNBA, the people with the resumes and the credentials. Auntie Chantel, Antoine, mm. who is cooking who? Is John Morant, do you really believe John Morant can cook Michael Jordan? What's your response? Uh, let, let me snatch this one first. <laughs> <clears throat> because I looked up the word cooked in the online and it said 
to cook means when an offensive player can score on you any way he sees fit. And the slang means to insult or humiliate. <laughs> and when you add those things in there, I love the youngsters' confidence. You know, I, I love it. And and you need that, right? He's trying to to spearhead and, and shoulder a program down there and in, in a franchise down there in Memphis. And so you love it. But you talking about the GOAT, arguably the GOAT. And, you know, did he go too far? You know, I don't know. I mean, that just means he, he talking trash. And and now, guess what? He can talk trash because he there's no way that they're going to play. I mean, they can't play right now because obviously, <clears throat> look, Ja would get MJ right now, but he's not going to humiliate MJ. And I don't know that he can score on him anytime he wants. You know, MJ was a really, really good defensive player. Yeah. And... How many times was he on the All-NBA defensive team? Right. And so, you know, I just think, yeah, I, I'd love to hear what you got to say, Antoine, but, you know, I, the youngster. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I'm definitely interested in Antoine's take as somebody who actually played against Jordan. Well, I'll say this. It's two parts to it. So when I, when I heard his comment, I took one, obviously you want to laugh and, and take it as a joking matter. And then the other part of me just kind of was like, just reflected real quick was like, Where's the level of respect that? Mm. You know what I mean? You know, when I when I think about this, the level of respect, we're, we're talking about, let's auntie just said the GOAT. I consider him the GOAT, the best basketball player to ever play. But the one thing about Michael Jordan that stands out is he's the best one-on-one player to ever play the game. That's what makes Michael Jordan special because he was so great one-on-one. And we could put Kobe in that conversation as well as being the best one-on-one players to play the game. So that's the part that's kind of disrespectful. And then, until you understand this, it's kind of like a basketball code. We always talk about playing one-on-one. You usually try to find somebody your height. You got to try to be maybe an inch or two taller or shorter than each other. Um, maybe similar skill sets and those type of things before you try to play somebody one-on-one. And then it's one-on-one rules. Are we playing three dribbles? Are we playing right. no post-up? Are you shooting all jump shots? So I just started thinking about a lot of things, but I just on the serious side, I just thought, thought it was a level of disrespect. But on the fun side, I love his confidence. Um, I believe John Morant is must-see TV. I think he's the most exciting player in the league. I enjoy watching him. I think he has a tremendous skill set. But John, retract your statement. There's nothing wrong with humbling yourself <laughs> to, to the GOAT and giving homage and respect to the GOAT. One thing about these young players in this league, they get mad and pissed when the older guys come out and say things about them. But you have to get them the respect. They paid the way. These guys are unbelievable. These are guys that have done it and can do it at a, a tremendous level. And all eras are different. Could you imagine Auntie Michael Jordan playing this era against this group of guys where he would average with no hand right. checking? Right. No, no hand Easy checking. Easy for him. The, phys- the physicality of the game has completely changed as well. Where Yeah, and then Mike lock up. Mike play defense too now, so it ain't going to just be no cakewalk like he's going to get to do what he want to do on offensive end. Mike was one of the best defensive, best two-way players that will play the game too now. John Moran ain't one of the best two-way players to play the game. Right. So Not you got to defend too. The, the, in, in the same interview, Morant discussed the back and forth he had with the current NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors, and he, he had some interesting things to say. Mm. 
Um, I just felt like, you know, if I won a championship, I wasn't thinking about, you know, no other team or what somebody said months ago. I'm going to be, you know, celebrating a championship. I'm going to be, you know, happy with my teammates. But as you see, after they won the championship, everything was Grizzlies playing whoop that trick on a parade, showing it in the club, um, talking about Jaron, this and that. Um, I mean, I feel like, you know, when you win, you know, you can say anything. But I lost and I'm going to still be jive at the end of the day. So. Yeah. But it's <laughs> social media, you know, they blew it up. Like, is it beef? Is it a robbery? But no, like, those guys can tell you, uh, even after, you know, we lost in the series that, you know, I told them, I feel like, you know, it's time, you know, for y'all to get another ring, um, you know, through Steph, Clay, and Draymond as well. And then they said the same, like, you know, y'all be back. You know, we'll see y'all again. It's be a lot of fun for years to come. But mm-hmm. we all competitors at the end of the day. We all battling, you know, in this league to, you know, be the best we can be and to win championships. And, and that's what comes with it. So, uh, you know, it, it's very interesting that he brought up, you know, his little got in his little feelings that they're still thinking about the Warriors. And but one of my favorite moments about this entire playoff series was Memphis playing whoop that trick. <laughs> in the arena, mm-hmm. I mean, that was yeah. that, that 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 personified that playoffs, and and I and I think Golden State <clears throat> really responded and came back. But was it weird energy for the Warriors to mention the Grizzlies during this championship celebration, Antoine? Come on now, of course not. They, I think, the Warriors have a lot of respect for the Grizzlies and and knew that they were going to be a tough opponent, in which they were. Um, Obviously, John Morant missing three games really killed them. You got to think about it. The Grizzlies beat the Golden State Warriors by, what, 55? I mean, in one game in that series. I mean, they have a lot of respect for them, that they knew that they were young. They knew they could play off their inexperience, and that's what helped Golden State get out that series. But um, Josh should take it as a compliment that they, they're thinking about them because this is a team that's trying to win more championships, and they understand what they got to go through and they know this is a team they're going to have to go through eventually. And whatever chirping or trash talking that was going on, I mean, it probably, you know, it, it sparked the fuel in Golden State. So Josh should take that as a, a compliment. It should make them get more, you know, um, motivated to come back this year and hope they get an opportunity to play Golden State um, in the playoffs. But I loved it. I, it's just the energy, a new building. We all know Memphis, small market. Those fans came out and they supported it. Like you said, they was playing whoop that trick. They had everything going. I mean, you got to embrace those moments. That's 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 great for basketball. I think it might be one of the top moments in Memphis Grizzlies history. If you if you really think about it, I don't know look, much look, Memphis look, Grizzlies history. Look, when he started off his comments with the word "if," I almost didn't want to listen to the rest because he's talking about if we would have won it, I would have acted different and whatever. Young man, you hadn't you haven't won it. And so you don't know how you're going to act. Come on now. Y'all was talking trash in Memphis. Yeah. And, um, you know, coming with all that energy. Mm-hmm. And you lost. And Golden State went ahead and won that title. And now they just throwing a little bit of shade back. I mean, it <laughs> is what it is. And, and that's what makes playing fun. That's what makes the game fun. And But I, I guarantee you this. I'm going to call it right now. If somehow next year in the Western Conference Finals, it's the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors, and Memphis goes to the finals, y'all going to be petty. 
Y'all just said that he could beat the goat, <laughs> that he would cook the goat. You think he's yeah. not gonna be petty if they go to the championship? He's gonna say I'm gonna cook all of them. He could cook for the goat. Well, yeah. But but Antoine, you even said something earlier in the show. You said the Grizzlies, they're positioned to be the biggest threat to the Warriors this, this, this in, in next year. You still you still feel that standing by it? Yeah, they won 56 games, man. And they got everybody coming back. Um, you know, I think that they should come back hungry. You got Golden State, there's a lot of things happening in that series. I think we're forgetting about it because they didn't, you know, obviously they played Dallas and then they played the Celtics, but uh Dylan Brooks got suspended the game after the way he fouled Gary Payton the second. He missed the game. Josh, three games he missed. I mean, it was just so many different things that took place throughout that series. I just think those guys going to learn from that. That was their first rodeo. That was their first time um, on that yeah. stage as a group. I think they'll be better. The coach was young. It was his first time as a head coach. So all those things play a part. I, I look at them coming back and, and being even better. This team that won 56 games. So they got to be in the mix when you don't make a lot of roster moves and changes and they coming back with that same group. Yeah. Well, let's 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 take change the conversation a little bit to something more in Auntie Chantel's wheelhouse. The WNBA All Star Game this weekend or last weekend was the first time that the WNBA All Star Game was held in Chicago, and Team Wilson triumphed one thirty four to one twelve against Team Stewart. All Star Game MVP uh, uh, Kelsey Kelsey Plum of the Las Vegas Aces scored 30 points, which matched Maya Moore's all-star game record in 2015. The other, some of the other highlights were uh, Memphis's Sylvia Fowles dunking in her first M N final WNBA all-star game in, in her final WNBA all-star game and WNBA all-star honored Brittany Griner during the game by wearing her Jersey number and name on all their uniforms. Now, Auntie Chantel, what was the biggest takeaway for you for the entire WNBA All-Star Weekend? Well, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Um, I was underwhelmed uh, with the with the weekend. Um, I do appreciate that they honored Brittany. And uh, you can, so you can tell the camaraderie among all the players from all, all the teams. Uh, you know, I think it was stretched out a little bit too long. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there was a lot of social media chatter about the, about the weekend and, and fans not being able to get into certain events and, and having to stand and, and having tickets to some and couldn't get into others. But let me tell you, the biggest thing that stood out to me was, did you see that little ass, uh, trophy yeah. that gave Kelsey, I mean, 30 points matched my Moore's all-star, uh, record. And they gave her like a little genie teacup. And, you know, I understand I understand that that you that's know, the MVP trophy, though, Aki. Yeah, but if, if you put a, a if you put picture of her next to the next to Steph Curry and his MVP trophy, that's a whole lot different. You could go on Amazon and buy that trophy that Kelsey Plum got for one hundred and fifteen dollars, and and I just think that they could have done more. And you're on this stage, you're in Chicago, uh, and you know, with the defending champions. And I just think they could have done a little bit more to help out the league, help out the marketing and, and things like that. So I was underwhelmed, but I was, I'm happy for Kelsey. I'm happy for Sylvia and Sue Bird playing in their last WNBA All-Star games. Um, they were well appreciated. The girls look fly on the orange carpet. And so, you know, they had fun. 
but uh, you know, I just think we can make some improvements. Yeah. Speaking of improvements, Auntie, uh, I wanted to ask you because with ESPN giving them $25 million a year in the television contract and the WNBA raising another 75 million from investors to improve their product over the next decade, what right. is Auntie Chantel's five point plans that can help the WNBA improve in, let's just say the next five years. Number one, they can hire Auntie to start doing their marketing. That's number one. Let me let me help them with some marketing. And, and you know, you know how sometimes you've seen some NBA commercials, you've seen some Nike commercials, some other commercials that just make you with the little stank face. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see that in women's basketball in the WNBA. Uh, you know, I just think there there's so many personalities in the league. There's so much that they that they've done on and off the court. I think that can be highlighted. Two, you got to have a better all-star experience. Um, I don't think it needs to be three days long. Uh, and, you know, and that goes into my number five, but I'll wait on that. Three, I think that I think it would be great. Speaking of marketing would be to do like a league documentary. As I said, they're doing so much behind the scenes. You know, you have Diana Taurasi not being in the all-star game this year and perhaps the GOAT of all uh, greatest of all time in the league. You know, Sue Bird, one of the best point guards ever to play. Sylvia Fowles, both of them retiring this year. We still don't know if DT is going to retire. So that would be a story. But I just think a documentary of the real of the real WNBA because not a lot of people know a lot of stories that have been going that have gone on um, <clears throat> since the first you know game back in '97. Four, uh, you know, I think it should be. Um, excuse me. Um, let me say this: four and five go together because it's marketing and and things. I think that the WNBA. I'm gonna put this at four and five, and I'd love to hear what Antoine says. The WNBA has to stop trying to market or be like the nba right the nba has a a a a weekend full of all-star festivities doesn't mean the wme has to do that um you know there's a lot of well we're not getting this we're not getting that obviously the revenues is a whole lot uh, smaller than the nba um but you know let's not try to be the, the the nba Yes, we're getting subsidized by 50% of the league, 50% of the NBA teams are subsidized in the WNBA. But that doesn't mean that you have to be the NBA. We don't have to be the women's NBA. I mean, we're the WNBA now. We're not even that WNBA, we're the W. And I just think that when they get and find their own identity, which I think they're trying to do, but when they find their own identity, I think that's what's going to make the uh, the league more successful. And I put that as my four and five. What do you think, Antoine? Well, Auntie, let me ask you a question. You came to Chicago and you ain't called me? I well, didn't come Chicago. to Chicago. No, oh, okay. I did. I was okay. supposed to be there because I was supposed to do a, a trick shot. Um, but I wasn't <laughs> feeling well this weekend. And so I didn't I didn't make the trip because we didn't know if it was the the Rona or not. And so I didn't come, but yeah, I would, I come on now, you know, I would call my boy. Okay. I I got, I got, I was about, I was about to be a little pissed right there, but (laughs) um, being in Chicago and just saying, I mean, I didn't, um, the party like the Jordan, they had a lot of parties and stuff like that that, um, going on. So I thought that was nice around the city uh, was good, but I just look at the game itself. I thought the tennis was great. Uh, The attendance was good. I don't know how you feel auntie. I think it was a little under 10,000. That attended the game. That attended the game. Um, the highlights for me, I thought, obviously, um, the, recognizing um, Brittany Griner and what she's going through and making it aware right there. Um, the four-point shot, I thought, was pretty cool. 
um, to, to put the four-point shot in there. I thought it was was entertaining. Um, but the part that 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 you want to look at, and I, I understand what you're saying, Auntie, about making it the man's game and that type of thing. I just think women have their own – you have your own way, your own style, the way you do it. I think leave it at that. I think doing a, a big all-star weekend, obviously um, – you're still in some of the skills things. I, I you know you, the, some of the skills challenges and things like that. I thought all of it looked pretty good. I thought I thought the women participated really well, and I thought the All Star game was played good. I don't know how you felt as far as competitive wise, but I thought it was a little bit better than some of the how the men play. Absolutely, you know I mean? the men, <laughs> at least they playing also, defense. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was that was actually a, a great the great part about it that that part of it. And then you you spoke about it um, the highlighting of, of Suberg and uh, and Flowers. Uh, was great. I watched Flowers play in Chicago when she was here in Chicago when she first started out. So um, got to meet her and know her. So I was happy to see that with them playing, you know, homage to them and everything. So I thought it was great. I thought it was a success. Um, you know, maybe it was. You know that better than me. Maybe it was a little a little long. Um, and the only thing I didn't like that stood out to me and why was the game played so early, right? And not and not not played at night on prime time. Right. If that was that one thing that kind of, you know, playing Sunday early like that, I thought it should have been played at night early. I mean, a night a night game, 8, 9 o'clock. Right. So, so it could have got the, the viewership and people could have really got a chance to see that and highlight, especially on a Sunday night where people are usually in the house watching TV, getting ready for their work week. I Am Athlete Tonight is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. Support I Am Athlete tonight with a five-star rating and by leaving a review. That's a big deal, guys. Stop being lazy. Pick up your phones and leave a review and give us a five-star rating. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Want more? Catch the full two hours of I Am Athlete tonight, weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash IAA Tonight Trial to start your free trial today. SiriusXM Podcasts.